Iceland, let you know we're starting a new series called um, What Does That Mean? Where we're going to be looking at a few different words um, that are often used in the church, um, in church circles. If you've grown up in the church, you're probably familiar um, with these different words. And depending on your, your church background, you may understand them a little differently um, than somebody else does. And also, you may understand them differently than the way that I mean them or those of us on the teaching team um, mean them when we use these words. So that's why we decided to take this series, take this time to kind of clarify um, sort of the definition of what we mean sometimes uh, when we use these different kind of churchy uh, type words so that, you know, we're all on the same page. And also so that uh, we can figure out um, as a church, as, as, as individual Christians and as a community, um, how to live these, these things out in our lives, these different things that come, these words that come out of Scripture and flow out of, um, flow out of the principles of, of Christianity. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to be looking at some different words. The three different words that we're going to be looking at are um, evangelism, um, discipleship, and fellowship. And so um, what we're going to do is we're going to have uh, somebody share about and teach and preach about one of each of these words. And then um, in between each sermon on the next week, so we're going to have like a panel, um, a little different activity where we get to hear and see how um, these things are being practiced by people in our church. So it's going to be sort of an informative series, but also a practical series. We're going to try to learn and then also figure out how to live, um, live these things out. So in uh, the word today that, that I'm going to be teaching on is evangelism. That's what um, we're going to be looking at today. So, um, but before I, I get into that, um, would you all just pray with me? Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for um, allowing us to come together and to worship you today, to worship you in song, to worship you um, in fellowship, to worship you uh, just in uh, being alive, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, help us to be um, open, Lord, help our spirits to be opened up to what it is that you may want to um, communicate to us today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be um, free from all distraction, free from all uh, heaviness, all weight, all uh, fatigue that we may be feeling emotionally, mentally, spiritually, Lord. Um, help us to be renewed. Help us to be restored. Lord, help us to know that, that you are good. Help us to find um, peace that only comes from you, Lord. And I just ask that uh, you would speak through me today, God, that these words would not um, be my own, but that they would come from you and from your spirit. Amen. So, uh, what is some of the, the best news you've ever heard? Think about a time where you've heard um, good news or you've heard just really great news. Um, an example of this from my life um, and a little bit of my background. I'm originally from um, St. Louis, Missouri, a land far away from here. Um, and all the way back in um, 2009, I was in college in Missouri, and I was really um, getting interested in church planting. I was getting interested um, in ministry, uh, it was really kind of the direction I thought my life was heading. I went to a Christian college, um, and, and through one of my professors, I got connected um, to this group of leaders who was going to be starting a church um, in New York City, including um, Larry and Wendy Bennett and the girls, too. I met them back then as well. Um, and uh, I, I, after hearing a, a, about their heart and their vision, their dream um, for this new church that they were hoping to establish, I felt... Uh, very convicted. I felt uh, excited about, about 
what they, what they wanted to do, and it was something that, that I wanted to be a part of. And so um, in 2010, I moved to New York. Actually, the reason I moved here was to help uh, be a part of starting um, this church from the beginning. So I moved out here, um, and, and I was working full-time. Not, well, almost full-time. I was going to school, um, and I was you know, using whatever little time I had left to, to help out, to volunteer. Um, and, 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 but what I realized is like I really I wanted to get more experience, and I knew in order for me to get more um, experience uh, in ministry, I needed to be uh, able to, to be present in the church more. Uh, but I, I had to, you know, I had to eat, I had to pay rent and that, that, those types of things. So I knew it wasn't realistic to volunteer full time. Um, but somehow I, I convinced um, the staff of the church to allow me to do a, a two year long um, internship back then. Um, and so it was going to be basically a, 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 a decent part time job. Um, but I would have to, to fundraise um, the money in order to, to pay for this part time job. So. Um, I was like, all right, this sounds like a, a great opportunity. I hadn't really done much fundraising before. Um, it was kind of intimidating. It, it seemed like weird even a little bit. Um, but I was like, you know what, if, if this is, you know, this is the door God has opened, I'm going to walk through it and we'll just see what happens. Um, and I also figured out pretty early on that there are churches that um, they, they, they look for opportunities to, to give away money. I was, to my surprise, I didn't know. Um, <laughs> To help, you know, people that are trying to grow in ministry and develop leaders and that type of thing. Um, so I was like, all right, let's, let's make this happen. So I started uh, making some phone calls, emailing some people. Um, I didn't have a, a, a very large network, but I was like, this, we'll just see what happens. And I raised a little bit of money. It, it wasn't really enough, um, but I, it was a little bit. Um, and it, after a couple months, um, this was like in the fall of 2010, I was trying to start to get this finished by January of 2011. Uh, basically, it came down to this one church, this one like large church that had a really big budget. I knew they had the ability to, to support me. Um, and it kind of was looking like at that point, at least to me, that that was going to make or break whether I would be able to, to do this um, internship. So, um, you know, I even remember, I remember that they were having a meeting where they were going to discuss their, you know, their next year's budget and make those decisions. And, like, it was, like, a, a weeknight, like, the, it, it, in the end of November. Um, and I remember the night that we were going to have the meeting. I had, like, did applications and, you know, talked with a couple people. And, uh, and so that night, you know, I was, I was praying that day a bit. And, and I was, like, you know, I'll probably hear back maybe, like, the following Monday morning or Tuesday morning. Um, and to my surprise, my phone rang at about, like, 8.30 or 9 o'clock right after um, the meeting had ended. And I was, like, nervous. You know, I didn't know. I was like, man, this is crazy. Um, but I was like, it's probably good news. I guess they're calling me. But anyway, so I answered the phone, and it was the, the person who was in charge of that budget, the guy who led, um, oversaw that budget. And, and he shared with me that um, their church was going to come in and was going to um, support about 75% of all the funding that I needed for the whole two years to do the internship, which was basically what I needed at that point to make it happen. And I just was so overjoyed and just had so much gratitude um, to, to get that phone call and, and to see the way God had been faithful to me um, in that way. And, and that was just, like, great news, you know. It was amazing news. Like, up to that point in my life, it was some of the best news I had ever gotten. I was so excited um, to get good news like that. Um, have you had feelings like that in your life? Have you had times or moments where you got great news? Maybe 
um, it was similar to that, where it was a job that, that you know, you, you, you got the job that you were, that you were hoping to get, or, or maybe you got a, um, a promotion or a raise that you, you know, desperately needed in order to um, support your family, or, or maybe it, it was a time when, when you learned that, that you or, or someone that you loved um, was pregnant or, or was going to have a baby. That's, that is great news. We're all like, well, here's some great news for us. We're, uh, Alberto and Margarita, who go to church here, are in the hospital right now. Yeah. So you can uh, say a prayer for them. There's a, there's a, uh, a high likelihood that today will be um, the day that the baby comes. So that is, there's an example, a great example <laughs> of, of great news, um, you know, that, that, that we feel, right? We feel very happy when the people that we love are going to, to give birth and bring um, new life into the world, right? But there's also things that, that are good news that, that's maybe not as, you know, deep. There's trivial things that, that, that uh, is good news. Like if you're a sports fan, um, you know, it's good news when you find out that the player that, that your team needs, you know, you drafted that player, you traded for that player. Um, me as a soccer fan, um, it's a, there's a high likelihood that the United States could host the World Cup in 2026. And we'll find that out in about two weeks. And that will be great news to me <laughs> if I wake up and find out that that's going to happen. So... Yeah, whether it's, it's about things that are, you know, that are deep and that are serious, um, about life or about, you know, job, about these, these deep things, or about even more trivial things, sports, entertainment, whatever it may be, we know what it's like um, to hear good news, to receive good news. Um, and what is the thing that we want to do when we hear good news? You want to tell somebody, thanks, Isaac. And that's our first instinct. Our first, the first thing you want to do is you want to, you want to tell somebody um, that you're close with. You want to let them know about what you heard. You want to share with others, with the people that are close to you, the people that are in your life. You want to tell them this good news that you have heard. And so this word, evangelism, that we use in English, this English word um, for evangelism, it comes from a Greek word. That is, that is euangelion. And, and euangelion, when, when translated from Greek into English, it means gospel, or quite literally, it means good news. Evangelism, it is the act of, of sharing or proclaiming the good news. That is, is what uh, evangelism is. It's sharing that good news. So this word, um, evangelism, uh, euangelion, it wasn't always used in a, in a spiritual context or in a, in a church context, but it was, it was used um, in, the ancient, in ancient times um, by, by messengers during war. So when, uh, when a, a messenger would come back to their country, to their people, to their king, uh, to report to them that their enemies had been defeated, to share the good news that they had found victory on the battlefield. And then... Um, in the Old Testament, we see this word kind of start to take a more um, theological shape when, uh, when messengers were coming back to, to, let, um, to let their people know, to let the Israelites know that, that the good news that God had given them victory over their enemies, that God had delivered them. And it, it took a more theological shape because then it wasn't just about um, their people winning the war, but it was about God's faithfulness. It was about God being the one uh, to support them and that God being the one uh, to help them to overcome 
um, the obstacles and, and, and the barriers and the enemies uh, that were confronting their people and facing um, their people. And an early reference um, of this word in the Old Testament can be found in the book of Isaiah. And, and this uh, passage, it, it comes at a time when the Israelites were living uh, in captivity. Well, they had been driven from their land, and there was a few, um, a few Israelites, a small community of Israelites still living in Jerusalem. It was, it was a time where their city had been conquered, where their city had been destroyed. The temple had been destroyed, and they were, um, they were suffering. They were living under the hand of oppression. They, they had um, no hope. It felt as if God had been defeated. God was gone. He, he was nowhere uh, left to be found. And God, in this time, he, he raised up a prophet named Isaiah, and, the, and he spoke through the prophets to the people. He used uh, the prophets to communicate to his people. And, and in the book of Isaiah, there's a poem that Isaiah writes. Um, it's in chapter 52, verse 7. In this poem, it says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. So in this, in this poem, in this short uh, passage from Isaiah, Isaiah paints a picture um, for the people in Jerusalem that their God had not been defeated, that their God still reigned, and that their God was going to bring them peace, that in the midst of their trials, in the midst of this season of, of struggle, this season of, of exile, this, this season where it felt that God had been defeated, there's this hope that God will restore peace to their people. God will restore his kingdom. And this passage in Isaiah, it's a, it's a foreshadowing of the king who will come to restore not just the kingdom of Israel, but who will come to restore all of humanity and all of creation back to God. And that king, as we know now, is Jesus. That king is, is Jesus Christ. The good news is the story about Jesus Christ. It's a story about how uh, out of the love that God had for his people, for all people, he sent his son to earth to live with us and to die for us. So that we may be uh, forgiven for our sins. So that even though uh, we are here, even though uh, we, are, we are sinning and we are bringing um, pain um, and brokenness and, and injustice and darkness into the world. Amidst that, God still loves us. God still loves us and he loved us so much that he came down and he entered into um, this mess that we have created. And he lived among us, And while the pen penalty for the sin um, that we have brought into the world should be our own death, Jesus paid the price in our place. And Jesus, he went and died on the cross so that we would not have to. And through his death, we can receive life and life eternal, eternal life. That is the good news. The act of... Uh, evangelism is sharing that good news about Jesus, that through his life, his death, his resurrection, our sins are forgiven, and we receive salvation. However, that's only part of 
the good news. That's not, uh, that's not the, the whole story of the good news. Because the other part of the good news is that while we are now living on earth, God is establishing his kingdom among us. It's not only a future salvation for our souls, but it's a, it's a present salvation for our bodies. Evangelism is sharing uh, that the good news is, is good news for our spirit and also for our physical lives uh, today in this world. If you've read um, through the New Testament, you, you know that um, it speaks about evangelists and how some people are, are gifted to be evangelists, are gifted to um, evangelize and, and share the good news. And that's true. Some people are, are specifically um, equipped to do that. But it's not only the evangelists who have um, the responsibility to share this good news. It's all of us as a church, as the community, we're all called uh, to bear witness uh, to the good news, to bear witness to um, the gospel of, of God's grace, which is the message of salvation and also the establishing of his kingdom on earth um, as it is in heaven. So, uh, you know, one thing that, that, that I notice um, is that uh, oftentimes we miss that second part. We, we do a really good job in church of getting the first part, getting the part about um, eternity, getting the part about our soul, but we don't do a great job of uh, articulating in church what it means now, what it means um, for, you know, our lives as we're on the earth today. And, and for much of, of church history and, and today, that is the way um, that the good news is, is presented. It's only presented um, sort of compartmentalized in that way. Um, it, it just fails to communicate that fact that, that God um, is also establishing his kingdom on earth now. And so, you know, as I was growing up in church, I remember, you know, we were always encouraged. We were always, um, you know, challenged uh, by the pastors and leaders to, to go and, and to share, uh, to share this message, to evangelize, to share the good news about Jesus uh, with our friends in school, to, you know, for the adults to share with their coworkers, for us to share with our families. Um, and, and, I, and I remember, like, I, I believed it. I didn't, you know, I believed that it was true. I believed um, in Jesus. I believed in the gospel, but, but it was hard for me um, to share with others. And, and, and as I reflect back, uh, what, what I've come to realize is part of what was so hard for me, why it was so hard for me to share it, is because it didn't seem like good news. Because the, a lot of the people in my life, they didn't believe that they needed a savior to save their soul. They didn't believe that um, they were living in sin or that w the way they were living was wrong. So the, the news that I was trying to share with them was, well, you know, if you die, you're going to go to hell. So I'm trying to convince them that if they're going to die, they're going to go to hell. And that's why they need Jesus. That's not really good news. That sounds more like bad news. <laughs> you know, that, that wasn't a, 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 it wasn't flowing out of, out of abundance, out of life, out of uh, what God had to give. It was more about um, the, the penalty for how they're living. But over the years, as, a, as I've grown in my understanding of the gospel, I've started to uh, realize that it's so much bigger than, than my previous understanding. That, that the, the gospel, it has the power to transform people and individuals' lives, but it also has the power to transform um, communities and to transform society as a whole. That, that it, it brings joy and it brings hope and it brings peace for, for, for people, for uh, for people's minds and for people's 
um, souls as well. But it's not just a future thing. It's also uh, in the here and now. And the good news has very real uh, implications for people on earth. The good news um, is not just this idea of salvation, but it's, it's actual, tangible life for people. So for people that, that are hungry, the good news is not only that we can save your soul in heaven and you'll have food there, but it's food for them right now. The, the good news is that those people who, who are imprisoned can be set free. It's, it's that those people who, who are living in constant fear, those who are foreigners among us, have safety and stability and have freedom. It's, it, the good news is, is job training for people who, who need to... Uh, who, who needs to be prepared for jobs. It's, it's youth mentoring. It's community development. It's all of these things that are building up uh, the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, that are, that, that's, that's going into the world and, and making the world uh, a better place out of the love uh, that all of us have for our neighbors. The, the good news is a message of life. It's a message of, of life uh, in abundance. And that is the type of message that I want to share with people. That is that truly is good news. That's something I want people to know about. I want to live my life in a way uh, that, they, that they learn about this good news. So in order for us to, to understand uh, evangelism, to be able to evangelize, we have to know the message. We have to know what the gospel is, what the good news is, in all of its um, implications in a holistic way. Right? We can't compartmentalize it. We can't separate it. We have to begin to think about it in both terms of the future and the present. What does it mean for people's souls, but also what does it mean for their bodies? How is it um, lifting people up and supporting people and helping people in the here and now? And once we understand the message, then it's important also that we, that we understand the method, the, the way to share this good news. How do we share this good news? So, um, there's a story of a, a few of Jesus' earliest followers that I think is a good example of this. And it's uh, found in John 1. In John 1, uh, verse 40, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard John's words and had followed Jesus. The first thing he did was to find his brother Simon. He said to him, we have found the Christ. Andrew took Simon to Jesus when Jesus saw Simon, he said, you are Simon, the son of John. Your name will be Cephas. The name Cephas means Peter or a rock. The next day, Jesus wanted to go to the country of Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Philip was from the town of Bethsaida. Andrew and Peter were from this town also. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. He is the one the early preachers wrote about. He is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So in this little story, um, we see uh, Andrew and Philip both meeting Jesus for the first time. And they immediately begin to follow him. And they believe that, that he is the Christ, that he is um, the Messiah that they had been waiting for. And this is great news. This is amazing news. They had found the Messiah. And it's, it's such great news that they did like we all do. They wanted to tell the people close to them. They wanted to share this with others. So they went in and they found um, someone, Andrew. He, he goes and, and tells his brother Simon and, and brings him along to meet Jesus. And Philip, he goes and he finds Nathaniel and he brings him uh, along to meet Jesus. This is a, a great example of how to do 
um, evangelism in the context of relationship. Evangelism should um, almost always be done in, in the context of relationship. Andrew and, and Philip, they went and they found the people who they already had a strong relationship with, the people who they had already built um, a foundation of, of trust with these people, people who they had credibility in sharing the message and sharing um, this news that they, uh, that they have heard. And I, and I think that this um, is another area uh, where at times uh, churches struggle and which tends to cause evangelism to be um, somewhat ineffective because, uh, well, in addition to the message kind of sounding like bad news sometimes, um, it, it's shared with people who don't have any trust for the people who are sharing it, right? And if you don't have um, trust, if that relationship um, is skipped over, then there's no credibility for anyone to listen to what you have to say. It's vital to, to being effective in doing evangelism to build that relationship, to build trust. Uh, one example um, of a person who, who I know who has done a great job of this in, in her life is um, my Aunt Mare. So she's actually uh, my great aunt. She's my, my father's aunt. And um, as my dad was, was growing up, uh, my Aunt Mare, she was a, a person who who really loved him, who loved him, loved him well, who looked after him when my grandma was, was, was working, um, took him on, on family vacations with her and her family, and just always uh, looked after him. And like um, most of my extended family, my Aunt Mare, she was a, a religious person, but she didn't have a relationship with Jesus. But when my dad was, was kind of young, she accepted uh, Jesus as her Lord um, and Savior for the first time. And she got involved um, in a Bible study and a fellowship at, at, at a church. Uh, and, and her faith in Jesus really became the driving force um, in her life. And, and as that happened, she continued to, to be there for my dad. She continued, you know, to love him, to, uh, to care for him, to look after him, to, to pray for him. And my dad, he started to notice a difference in her. He started to notice something different in her life that he didn't see in the lives of, of, of other people. He, he saw a person that, that had a lot of um, stability and wasn't too affected or derailed by the highs and lows that, that were going on around her. He, he saw a person who had um, a lot of hope. For that even, even when times were difficult, even when things were hard, still found joy, still found uh, hope and an ability to, to get through each day uh, with a positive outlook and, and, and a thankful um, and grateful attitude. And as my dad, he entered into adulthood, he started to run into some issues, um, some struggles of his own. And as that was happening, as he entered into a season of, of, of pain, a season of darkness, a season of uncertainty, he, he didn't know what to do, and he, he, he didn't know uh, who to reach out to. And, and in that moment of, of vulnerability, in that moment of, of weakness and, and pain, he thought of my Aunt Mare. And, and he reached out to her, and my Aunt Mare was there. She was available uh, to him, and she started to, to pray with him and to pray for him and to offer him wisdom and to offer him advice. She was there for him through this season, no matter what he was going through, she was uh, available. She was there. She was loving him 
through that situation. And, and the faith that she had that my dad would be okay, that gave him the strength to also believe that he would be okay. And that gave him the strength uh, to face the situation that he was going through and to get through it. So through uh, loving my dad and, and through being there for him over the course of his whole life, my Aunt Mary was able to share the good news with him. She was able uh, to, to evangelize, to introduce him uh, to the person of Jesus Christ through her constant presence in his life and also through going through what he was going through with him. Through bearing his burden alongside him, through loving him and praying for him and being there. She was a, a, a stable force, a constant uh, force in his life that was just present, that was just uh, available. And it was through um, that relationship that my dad first was introduced to and eventually accepted Christ. And then in turn led my whole family um, to Christ. But I, I tell you this story because I want you to see two things. One is how this happened within uh, the context of a strong relationship. It's not something um, that happened overnight. It's something that, that lasted two decades. It was 20 years um, from the time uh, that, that my Aunt Mary you know, started or became a Christian and then eventually um, led my dad to Christ. And I, and I also share because I want you to see how it's a long-term process. Sometimes you know, evangelism or introducing people to the gospel, to the good news, takes a lifetime to do so as I, as I end uh, this, this message, um, I want us to, to sort of um, think about and reflect on how we can do this as a church. What does this mean for us? What does this mean for us individually? What does this mean for us um, as a community? How do we live out these principles? How do we do evangelism in the world well? And I believe that it starts by us being present. If we're only surrounded, you know, by church people or uh, if we're only surrounded by other Christians, then there's really not anyone for us to share the gospel with. And it's important that, that we're going into the world, but not just um, incidentally, but that intentionally we're entering into spaces uh, in, in our community and in our city where our neighbors are living, where our neighbors are working, where our neighbors are going through life so that we can build relationships um, with the people that we, that we live among. And I know that, that some of us, you know, have deep roots already in, in, in this area or have deep roots in, in New York City. Um, and that's, that's amazing. Um, but there's also a lot of us who don't have those roots. And, and for those of us who don't, I, I think that it's important that we're intentional about building relationships, about uh, entering into to spaces uh, where, where we can serve, where we can volunteer, uh, where we can build relationships with our neighbors and with people locally. So um, for me personally, and, and for several of us in this church, uh, one way that we do that is by um, volunteering with the Pathways Mentoring Program, which my wife Kayla actually leads. Um, and uh, this is a great program where you get to just build a relationship with a young person from the community. And, and it's, um, it, it's a program that also understands uh, the importance of longevity, that community development, that building up the kingdom on earth takes a long time. And some uh, of these mentor-mentee relationships have been going on for two, three, coming up on, on the fourth year now. I mean, that's a, a great way to, to get involved, to get invested in the lives of young people and also build with 
with families and with schools um, in our community. That's one way that we can express that, whether it's through Pathways or through any other uh, type of mentoring uh, relationship that you can get involved with. And another way um, that I do this, and Andres does this as well, is just through playing soccer, right? I play on a, a soccer team. Andres runs um, a local pickup soccer game. It's just a way for us to use, you know, the interest, the thing that, that, that we're already passionate about just to, to build relationships, to be living with and among our neighbors and the people in our community. It's just a step uh, into being present. But it's important that we have those avenues, that we have those spaces uh, in our lives where we are being the church outwardly, where we are living uh, amidst and among people. And as we do that, as we go out into the world, as we live um, a life of presence amongst uh, our neighbors, uh, one of the things that happens is we become more aware of, um, of the struggles and, and, and the burdens and the things that, that, that are facing our neighbors. And then as, as we grow in, in, in empathy and understanding, really their problems become our problems. And as a community now, we all have uh, the same desire, the same uh, yearning to see uh, everyone be freed from um, whatever sin, whatever structural, systemic sin, whatever thing is holding uh, us down. It causes us then as the church uh, to begin to ask questions about what might the answers be. What could the answers be to the different things that are facing uh, the people around us? And then as we uh, discover the, the answers to those questions and as we live out our faith and loving our neighbors and, and seeking their well-being and loving them through that, that is how we introduce them to and show them uh, the love of Christ. But um, it always starts there with relationship. I know that, that there's a lot of us uh, right now in the church, in our church, who are going through um, difficult things, who are going through heavy situations, who are uh, struggling with, with crisis, with relationships, um, with loneliness, with with financial insecurity, with all of, of, of these different struggles that, that, that face us. And we're not the, the only ones, though. Our friends, our neighbors, the people around us, all uh, of the people, all people are weighed down by sin, are weighed down by this heaviness, this weight. But the, the difference between uh, us as Christians and them is that we have hope. We have hope that, that through Jesus we will be set free, that through Jesus we can overcome this, that there is something to yearn towards, to look forward to, that this is not the end. We, I, I just want to encourage all of you um, to hold on to that today. And I want us as a church to be intentional about how can we introduce our neighbors, our friends, our community to that same hope that we have. I'm going to pray, and then after I pray, uh, we're going to partake in communion. And the band can come up if they want to uh, start playing. Um, and communion is a practice that we do every week where we take this bread that represents Jesus' body and we dip it in the juice um, that represents his blood. And as we do this, uh, we remember the sacrifice uh, that, that he made on the cross. And um, what I want us to do today is I want us to reflect on fullness of the promise of God, on the fullness of the message of the gospel, of the good news. That the good news is, is a holistic concept. It's not only uh, something that is about a future 
salvation for our spirit, but it is something that has very real implications for our own lives right now here today and for the lives of our neighbors.